good afternoon and welcome to Your DIY Health here on the Eurofolk Radio Network. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It's uh, Thursday, June 17th, 2021, and I'm going to dispense with the normal medical type uh, disclaimer because we're going to be talking about the Constitution and history today with Mike Gaddy. I will say, however, that the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on this show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Eurofolk Radio Network, its owners or sponsors, or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say in the show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only, so that as a responsible adult, you can use this show as a jumping-off point to do your own research and due diligence so that you can make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. The number to call into the show is 614-426-8787. That's 614-426-8787. One last time, 614-426-8787. And if you're on Skype, you can send a contact request to Sarge45ACP. That's S-A-R-G-E, the number is 45, and the letters A-C-P as in Paul. And just mention your listener, we'll get you approved, and then from that point on, you'll be able to call in in excellent audio quality via Skype. Also invite you to visit the website, yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, yourdiyhealth.com. And uh, there's all kinds of information there on the radio shows tab. We have the information about the uh, uh, archive page on uh, castbox.fm. And down a little further, you'll have the information on the shows around, when when they're on and how you listen. And then at the bottom of the page is the link to the Facebook page and the chat room. So uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and get Mike on the line, and we will see what we see. Um, (laughs) Here we go. Hey, hey, hey. How are we doing? Hi, I'm coming right along here in the wonderful state of Iowa. Iowa? Oh, boy, you're hitting around. (laughs) My well, goodness. It's, uh, it has been a family excursion uh, to uh, see my son and his family again. Oh, well, great. Hope things are going well. Hope you have good weather and all that good stuff. Oh, the weather has been ideal. It was just outside about 82 with a nice breeze. Hmm. That's about what we got here. I just had the dogs outside giving them a break before my between radio shows and... Uh, Sunny, nice, light breeze blowing, 78 degrees, and Jethro the Wonder Dog laid down, and he was deciding to just lay there and recharge his batteries, and he did not like it when I made him get up and come back in the house. (laughs) But if I leave him out there for two hours on his own, he's liable to go under the fence and go for a run, and uh, been there, done that too many times. But, uh, yeah, I saw a thing from uh, Brad also saying that he's not going to be able to make it today. So I guess it's just the two of us. And uh, I think we'll have plenty to chat about anyhow. Um, one of the first things I wanted to cover, you know, we've got a lot of stuff to go over. But uh, and they all it's all kind of hand in hand. Um, there was a group of uh, hospital workers out in uh, Texas, in Houston. 117 of them did not want to take the mandated... COVID-19 bioweapon jab and Mm -hmm. filed suit against their local hospital 
It's a hospital group that has about 26,000 employees, and all but 178 had been injected, and they couldn't leave well enough alone. They just wanted to push and make sure that everybody was under their thumb. So they made it mandatory to maintain their employment. And they said, if you don't uh, have it by June 7th, you'll be put on a, I think, a two-week leave of absence. And after that, if you still haven't gotten it, then you'll be terminated. Well, they filed suit and complained because they were being used as guinea pigs in a big uh, uh, bioweapon trial. And the case originally was filed in state court. And I think they made a mistake here. They moved it to federal district court and... The judge, who was a Reagan appointee in 1985, uh, by the name of, um, where did he go, Uh, Lynn Hughes, I think it is. Yeah, there it is, Uh, ruled against them. Not only did he rule against them, but he wrote a scathing opinion mocking them, proving once again that Big Pharma and the judiciary, as well as the Republican Party and so-called conservatives, are controlled by the Big Pharma people. And it says in a scathing ruling Saturday, District Judge Lynn Hughes of Houston deemed lead plaintiff Jennifer Bridges' contention that the vaccines are experimental and dangerous to be false and otherwise irrelevant. (laughs) He also found that her likening the vaccination requirement to the Nazis' forced medical experimentation on concentration camp uh, captives during the Holocaust to be reprehensible. He also ruled that making vaccinations a condition of employment was not coercion. You know, so, uh, you know, get the shot or you can't work here is not coercion. I think somebody needs to send them a copy of uh, Webster's 1828, as, you know, with, un- with coercion underlined. Uh, he says Bridges uh, can freely choose to accept or refuse the COVID-19 vaccine. However, if she refuses, she will simply need to work somewhere else. If a worker refuses an assignment, changed office, earlier start time, or other directive, he may be properly fired. Every employment includes limits on the worker's behavior in exchange for remuneration. That's all part of the bargain. So I guess if she came to work pregnant and they didn't like that, he could they would be well within their rights to man she get an abortion. You think? Well, Jim, you know where my mind goes on this. Uh, <laughs> oh, we yeah. Wouldn't be, we wouldn't be in that mess without a Constitution. Because <laughs> the Constitution is exactly what allows such ridiculous rulings to stand as law yeah yep because before the constitution such cases would have gone to a local jury for Mm -hmm. decision right would not have gone to the federal courts and i'll tell you this from personal experience i once filed a suit in state court in colorado specifically to avoid the federal court because I wanted it to remain a state issue. I was advised about three months in by the local judge, state judge, Mm -hmm. that the federal government had requested the case and he had no authority to retain it. That so, uh, is unbelievable. Folks, uh, just keep on, keep on worshiping that parchment, baby. Yep. 
I tell you what, people don't know what they don't know, that's for sure. And they don't know what they're getting into. Um, you know, here in Ohio with this uh, suit that they filed, they filed in federal district court in the northwest district up in by Toledo. And it's probably going to be a huge mistake. You know, but... Mm-hmm. And we've actually had local courts rule, you know, they were afraid to file in a local court because they figured that the local courts would be more likely to rule against or rule in favor of the state government. But the way things are going, you know, I don't know that that's the case. We've had local courts rule um, against the state in many cases or against the local governments for that matter. Uh, you know, in a case of like little restaurants that wanted to stay open and not make their people wear face diapers and that kind of stuff. Uh, just north of here, there was a ruling several months back where they were, you know, upheld by the by the local court saying, you can't make them do that. But, you know, the federals, not so much. And you know why, uh, you're right. It's the, the situation we have with the court system that was set up through the Constitution is making all this crap possible. Do you know why you're going to get a better ruling from a from a local court? Well, number one, it's closer to home and they got more to lose. You know, the people well, locally yeah. are going to... Sometimes they live right down the street. Yeah, exactly. You have a tendency... Now, this was argued at the Constitutional Convention on many, many, many days, is that that government which is closest to the people represent, represents the people more fairly because they are members of the same community. Right. Now, some judge sitting uh, in uh, uh, West Lost, Louisiana doesn't really give a damn what your rights are in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because they don't even, you will, you would probably never see that person or ever know them or anything else. Right. And that is why they argued the points of Montesquieu over and over, especially the anti-federalists, is you cannot have a large central government. It is always oppressive. Mm-hmm. And boy, were they right and prophetic. So, you know, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm betting very much that these people were extremely surprised with that ruling, um, because their argument makes so much sense. And for someone to, you know, so a so-called, uh, intelligent jurist should easily see the, <laughs> what's going on here. And they didn't, they didn't plan on the corruption factor, which is key here. Uh, there's no way this guy was going to be the first judge to over, overturn the apple cart, you know, on a federal level, uh, and say that you can't do this, um, because that's where they want to go in the first place. And he was probably told that very thing. He says, you know, we're headed towards mandatory vaccinations and you're not going to screw things up if you like doing what you're doing, <laughs> including breathing, you know, <laughs> Well, you know, he could uh, end up like that reporter who uh, outed Bill Clinton and Jessica Lynch. He might mm-hmm. get Arkansas. Yeah, that would not. Uh, that's not anywhere outside this uh, rear possible realm of possibilities. That's for sure. And it goes sure. right into everything sure. else we were planning on talking about today. That uh, this stuff is coming back to bite him in the backside. Um, I don't know if you've heard it. I I posted it on my um, Telegram page. But uh, recently, there was a video posted on BitChute where they have been researching the VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System database, and have found 150,000 cases where 
people who have received the injection and then died have been deleted from the database. And they are now frantically trying to refill those empty positions with uh, cases of people who got the vaccines and just had a reaction of some sort but didn't die. And that's what I've been saying all along, that the VAR system, since it was since its inception in 1986, um, by their own admission, they only get about maybe 1% of all the adverse events, which means if the current numbers of dead people following COVID shots is around 6,000 now, that really is about 600,000. And the fact that they've been caught deleting 150,000 cases, that pretty much tells me that's right. And so we have probably lost, you know, as many people to the, to the, to the shots as they try to make us believe were lost to the disease. But according again to the CDC numbers, the people who have actually died from the disease is only about 5% of the inflated number they've put out there, which is around 600,000. So about 30,000 have died from the illness and about half a million have died from the shots, the cure. So just like they said at the beginning, we can't let the uh, cure be more deadly than the disease. And it is multiple times more deadly, which... Well, it was planned that way, Jim. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's the other thing I've been saying for months now is the virus didn't come out. And then they came up with the, with the, you know, the injections to deal with the virus. They had the injections ready to go, and then they came up with the virus, you know, ploy to scare people into being willing to take the kill shot. And I'm, you know, there are reports all over the place. I just last night in church, we had uh, Monday was the funeral of a friend of mine's sister who got sick from being around her parents who had been injected. And she ended up dying of double pneumonia a, a week and a half ago. Her funeral was on Monday. And then last night at church, we got another one. One of our members asked for prayer for her sister who got the shot and now has blood clots. And that goes right into what um, uh, you were talking about this morning in the text you sent me um, with the situation in uh, British Airways where they've got pilots that are, you know, either dying or getting uh, blood clots and all kinds of things. And they're in a situation where they're not sure what to do uh, because these, you know, 80, what, 85% of their people have been vaccinated. And uh, now they don't know whether to let them fly. And there have already been uh, reports, I'm thinking, where was it, Germany and uh, one of the other European countries that are telling people not to fly if they've been vaccinated because when you go to 30,000 feet plus, uh, the pressures up there can cause you to have blood clots uh, from, you know, so you may survive at ground level, but you go to pressurized, uh, you know, altitude, maybe not so much. So now there's a question whether, you know, the airlines are saying you got to be vaccinated to fly, but now we got some countries are saying if you're vaccinated, don't fly because it could kill you. Uh, no matter how you look at it, if you got one of the shots, you're, you know, as my little meme I put out yesterday, you're walking dead. And it's just, you just don't know it yet. And uh, now there are people are in great big conundrums about what to do because, you know, their staff is all screwed up with these things. And airlines are going to be a big thing. And that's why 
you know, I've been saying all along, I will not fly again until I'm, you know, if I have the funding, if I can, you know, to be able to fly private, and then I will demand a totally unvaccinated flight crew, at the very least, the pilots. Because I don't want them going to altitude and having a, a clot in their brain and you know, crashing a plane with me on it. So, yeah, it's going to get interesting. Oh, very much so, Jim. And, uh, hey, if I could just throw something in here that sure. just happened the uh, last couple of days, which I thought was uh, quite unusual. And I would preface that with a simple question. And my simple question is, why would the government and its media lie to you? <laughs> because if they told you the truth, you get really mad. Okay, well, I'm Bottom going line. to bring up something that just absolutely is incredible to me uh, and something that uh, ordinarily, Jim, there is no way I would have known about this, you know, except for circumstances. So here is a news story that came out with, the, with a daily news service and listen to what it says. October weather in June, sudden heavy downpour triggers paralyzing floods in Istanbul, Turkey. A sudden flood-inducing rainfall paralyzed daily life in Istanbul, Turkey on Tuesday, June the 15th, 2021. Roads turned into lakes as floodwaters engulfed underpasses, submerging many vehicles and stranding motorists. The severe weather is expected to continue through Monday, June the 21st. Okay, uh, if you, as a, a resident there in Ohio, if you happen to see that, what reason would you have not to believe it? It was being reported by government sources and media. <laughs> okay, well, here was the crazy happenstance, is that on June the 15th, just a couple of days ago, my son was in Istanbul, Turkey. Uh-huh. So... I said, and of course, he just got back late last night. He arrived about uh, midnight. And so I said, what is up with this flood that happened there a couple of days ago? And he started laughing. <laughs> I'll bet he he said, did. Dad, there was no flood in Istanbul. He said, I was there. And he had pictures. He was showing me pictures that were made as their plane took off. <laughs> and he said, here, look at this. There's no flood there. Jim, why are they lying about something that should be immaterial? You know, that's that I've been asking myself that for quite a while. It's just and I I used to work with a guy who would he was just like a Democrat. Or or for that matter a Republican in many cases. He would lie when the truth would serve him better. Don't know why, but that's you know, you, you got to know and if, 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 if his lips were moving he was lying. And you never wanted to be in a case with him because you never know what he would say when you got to court, and it might totally contradict what you said. Uh, we called it test-a-lion. And uh, I don't know. It's just weird. Some people, that's just what they do. They lie, they lie, they lie, even when the truth would better serve them. And uh, Jim, are they not? See, this is the thing. If you are programmed to lie about everything... And this takes me back to what uh, William Casey said in 1981, <laughs> the director of the CIA, yeah. when he said, we will know our disinformation program is complete when everything 
the American public believes is false. And We're that's documented. Right he said that. Mm -hmm. and, and people discount it today. Oh, well, that, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, why did he say it? And then, you know, of course, Casey ends up uh, drowning in his own canoe. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, he was probably Arkansas before it was a thing. Mm -hmm. So then we have, if you are programmed to lie, if it's your job to lie about everything that happens, why not just make up some crap about a flood in Istanbul? Yeah, might as well. <laughs> it's weird. You know, yeah, and... it is. It's it's like we live in a surreal world. It's you know you look around and and common sense has totally evaporated yeah. in this country. Mm -hmm. It's gotten just plain strange. We've reached a whole new level of stupid. And the thing is, is the generally dumb public are right where Casey said we'd be. They believe yeah. all this crap. And well. It... You know, the one question in the intelligence field, at least back when it was semi-common uh, sense, the question that we were always taught to ask is qui bono? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who benefits? You know, who profits from yep. this? Well, who profits from telling the people a lie about a flood in Istanbul? Probably unless, the global warming unless people. Unless they're going to use it down the road for global warming or mm -hmm. one of their other profiles. Yeah. They're it just building no cases. That's they're developing something that they can go back. See, here's this article from way back when that said there's these floods. It had to be global warming. We yeah, got to do something about it. Global warming, yeah, that that caused it. That they wouldn't have had these floods. Mm -hmm. And here it's documented. It's documented these floods occurred. Yeah. You know, that's like uh, I saw something here recently where a hundred and some years ago in some town that they had record high temperatures of 105, and uh, just last week, they reached 106 in the same place. You know, now they call it global warming. Back then, they called it summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, that's where we've, you know, the mentality has been diverted and changed. And people are too stupid to realize what's being done to them. Well, Jim, I think they've taken it a step farther than just being too dumb to recognize the truth i think the american public has been taken to a new level of you not only can't recognize the truth you have to constantly oppose the truth yeah you can't okay. just say no that's not right you have to attack wherever that truth comes from as being a conspiracy theory or a racist or some other form uh, truth has to be attacked. It just can't be saying, oh, no, I don't believe that. Yeah, it requires a full frontal assault. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, I'm going to make a prediction here that uh, things are about to get very, very interesting because the dashing pilot has joined us. <laughs> we must have tickled Daryl's ears. <laughs> What's up, my friend? Oh, no. If you told me he was going to be here, I would have gone on a vacation or something. <laughs> What's up, Daryl? You muted? Hey, Daryl, come on. I didn't mean it. He's trying to call in again. That's weird. Hmm. Daryl, you there? I've got him. I've, hit, I've merged him in. There he is. Daryl? 
Hello. Nate disappeared again. Hello. Hey, there he is. Hey, Daryl. I'm going to hang up. I got to hang up. My uh, Skype is causing a problem here. I'll call back. Okay. Okay, buddy. Yeah, now now I'm so curious. I can't, I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to hear what Daryl has to say. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we we'll just pretend like he he doesn't count. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I have to say that Daryl is, you know, the people that I have come across from this network are some of the absolute most intelligent, common-sensed people that I have ever bumped into. And I'm so blessed that uh, Roger included me in the uh, experiment that became People's Patriot Network, and now that we're on uh, Eurofolk, it's just getting better. So let's try this again. Is it, is it better for you now, Daryl? Can you? Can you hear it, Jim? Yeah, yeah, you're loud and clear. To uh, the uh, the ringtone is just going off continuously in my headphones. Really? Um, you, why don't we do this? Why don't you hang up and I'll call you. See if that helps. Okay. Yeah, go ahead and do that, and I'll call you right back. Okay, let's try this. Do do do. Let's see here. Add. Hopefully that'll work. <laughs> it's calling. Dead air. <laughs> hey, okay. How is it now? Is it still ringing? Yeah, no, it wasn't. It's not ringing now. It Good. Was, uh, that's that's fairly obnoxious ringtone, isn't oh, it? Oh yeah, that, that would drive you crazy if it was constant. That's it. Uh, yeah. So what's um, up? Well, good afternoon. Well, thank you. Glad you can make it. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you brought up, a, you know, Michael has this way of doing this, uh, <laughs> of bringing up these most interesting and, if not profound, questions. That's why I and, have mine. <laughs> uh, your, Mike, your question about Istanbul, uh, which is uh, actually the old Constantinople, but uh, Constantinople. But mm -hmm. uh, isn't, isn't Istanbul... Mike and Jim, is that not the key pathway through Istanbul into the uh, Black Sea? Hmm. Uh, that would be correct. Yeah, I think so. And is there not uh, a certain level of tension uh, in the Black Sea at this very moment <laughs> associated with Crimea? Yep. Well, I think there's always tension there. At least yeah. it has been in my lifetime. Yeah, that's just one of those hot spots that's always hot. Yeah. Seems. Well, about a, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, we had we had the USS uh, Coast Guard cutter uh, driving up into there, and then another ship called the Enterprise, and. We had uh, battleships from uh, Great Britain uh, going in to challenge the Crimean blockade. Now, I, I don't know. I, I <laughs> isn't isn't intelligence and and propaganda part of a war effort, Mike? Well, I don't think there's any doubt about that, Daryl. But considering what we just read, how do we know that? Uh, the uh, 
forces, uh, the U.S. forces and the British forces went up there. All we have to rely on is a lie in press. Yeah, that's a big problem. Exactly. I mean, this is this is what we're told. And so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna drag up a a part of propaganda programming that was revealed, and it's it's a little older now, but I you guys I know have heard about this this movie. It's called Wag the Dog, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Oh yeah, that movie. Yep. Well, well, what what happens uh, in Wag the Dog? They they're trying to misdirect and redirect the narrative away from the proclivities of a administration and a president. And in order to do that, they create a completely fictitious narrative on an impending uh, war, right? <laughs> so. Uh, Mike, you know, you, you're sort of an expert uh, relative to the people assembled here on, on propaganda. And uh, what, what, uh, so what are the, what are some of the steps associated with uh, information and a need and uh, a narrative? Uh, you know, like, for example, we have information and then, or we have knowledge just something and then it goes to the stage of information and then it goes to the information of uh, uh, unqualified intelligence and then it becomes actionable intelligence isn't there a whole process there oh big time yeah I I think this is what they I think this is a a part of your question I think this is this is wagging the dog part of an absolute uh, construct I, I operate on the basis that I don't know anything, particularly when they've told me that this is what it is. And so I, I, I don't know. It's just powerful, Mike and, and, and uh, Jim, that if we are not always 100% on top of questioning what, they, what we're told, we have to be assumed. We ha- I have to assume that I'm being played, a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, in this day and age, if you didn't see it with your own two eyes, you know, you just can't. There's no way of knowing for sure that it took place. Well, I had this conversation yeah. yesterday, gentlemen. I had this conversation, and at first, my friend from Northwest Arkansas thought I'd lost my mind when I was talking to him. I, he was talking about the uh, G7 summit, and he said, well, he said, did you see Biden do this, do that, or the other? And I <laughs> said, well, i got a question for you, my friend. And he said, what? And I said, how do you know what you saw was real? Yep. How do you, how do you know that the uh, TV network didn't get some actors and put that together and put it on TV and call it the G7? How do you know the G7 even exists? My question was, how do you know anything you see in the media is the truth? If, As Jim just said, if you can't see it with your own eyes, and until Americans understand that everything they see on TV is false until proven true, if if Americans would start saying, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, that's a lie, if they would start doing that and say, okay, prove it, instead of, just openly accepting everything government and the media tells them, and government and the media is the same thing. 
there is no differentiation anymore. So if everyone would say, no, uh, uh, virus, uh, that's a lie. Oh, uh, vaccines, no, I'm not doing that. If people's, uh, the government recommends it, I don't need it. Uh, until that happens, freedom will not exist in this country again. That's for sure. We are not on the slippery slope. We've done slid down it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jim, uh, I mean, what have we what have we observed with with our own eyes uh, over the last uh, almost two years now? Uh, <laughs> well, what I've observed is that you're told you can't believe your lying eyes. You can't even believe your own eyes when you do actually see it in real time. Yeah, well, that's okay. the thing, you know. Um, and, and then people accept it. They they actually <laughs> mm-hmm. they actually are so demoralized that they actually concede to. Well, I, yeah, I didn't see that. It's like it's like the witness to a drive by shooting. You know, I, I didn't really see that. I must have been mistaken. Or okay. or the FBI shows up and says you're misrecalling. <laughs> you didn't see what you thought yeah. you saw. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, here here's. Here's one of the things I've tried to tell people, and of course, uh, Daryl, you alluded to my sordid past, but here was something we knew in the intelligence field, and that was every once in a while, you have to throw throw the people a bone. You have to throw them something they can attach to, because if everything you hit them with was just your constant, constant, constant propaganda, eventually they would catch on. So what you do is you throw them a bone. You throw them a Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> and you let them uh, go, oh, 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 we've, we're, we're good. We're good here. We're good. We, we, we got this covered. And uh, oh, oh, yeah, okay. And then nothing ever happens. But they had a bone. They had a life raft to hold on to. They weren't lost in a sea of lies because someone was telling the truth, which to me now is Tucker Carlson. It, you've got to have that element out there to where the people can say, oh, yes, we've got someone on the inside. If Tucker Carlson was telling the truth all the time, he wouldn't be on TV. Yeah, and I've noticed lately they've let him go a little bit further than they normally would have. Uh, He's now going after some of the, the death numbers of people, you know, taking these injections and stuff, where before that was just... It was like, why aren't you talking about this? <laughs> you know, now all of a sudden, it's coming up, and they're well, they're they giving them a little to, bit longer chain. That, and you have to let that happen. You have to show that uh, because the people are beginning to catch on. As the people begin to catch on, they had to throw Fauci to the wolves. Mm-hmm. Okay, all, all right, yeah. Look, it was a big fraud. Look how much Fauci was involved in this. Fauci's eighty years old probably worth $40 billion. He's, he's got nothing to worry about. He couldn't spend all of his money if he started to do it all day long every day mm-hmm. for the rest of his life. There's no way he could. So we, we can throw him to the bone. He's 80. He's done. We'll throw him to the bone so uh, the American conservative right can jump up and down and say, see, we told you so, we told you so. You have to keep throwing the people a little morsel here and there to keep them following the trail. Right. Well, yep. You know, we we've all heard of uh, Operation Mockingbird and the uh, the mighty Wurlitzer and and these uh, phrases. I, I like the analogy of uh, Operation Rat Poison, and 
Uh, are, are you familiar with that, gentlemen? Why do rats <laughs> eat rat poison? No, I want to. Um, I can imagine, but I haven't heard of that one. Well, Operation Rat Poison is where uh, you you give the rat ninety eight percent food and oh, only two yeah. percent poison. But what's the end effect? Mm-hmm. Yep. So he he thinks he's getting real food. There and he is. News media through. Yep. Yeah. Tucker Carlson and Rush Limbaugh and Glenn Beck and Ben mm-hmm. Shapiro. They give they give the they give the uh, the ignorant, uninformed, and and uh, procrast- intellectually procrastinators uh, a reasonable excuse, a plausible deniability that somebody's actually going to be doing something about this. The, yeah. this the, these all these narratives are to give you the the plausible excuse to the listening public that oh there is somebody doing something about this this is what this is what Donald Trump was oh see he's going to okay we can stand down now or we could just support him because he's going to do something about it right and and all this is is a is a pressure relief valve of management perception it's a pressure relief valve is all it is yeah i remember uh, when when this uh, mess with the uh, uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry, Jim. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I remember when all this stuff with the elections came out, there were people all over the country starting to organize, and they said, we're taking our country back kind of thing. And then you started hearing this stuff, well, wait a minute, you know, Trump's going to be back, you know, they're going to do this, they're going to do that, the military's going to come back and take them all out and all this other junk. And it basically staved the uh, the public from doing what the public ought to do, <laughs> what the public has a right and a duty to do is to throw off these, this get government and establish new government that uh, is better to their liking and their, you know, their needs. Uh-huh. And um, well, so, so what, you're, what you're saying is my thesis has worked, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This is my Definitely. My, it's like, yeah, Absolutely. Okay. It's hey, been guys, proven over and over. Think about all of the people who think that Michael Flynn is the second coming, and he's going to lead us all into the promised land, and... These people are totally ignorant, or if they're not ignorant of it, they have dismissed the fact that throughout his political and military career, Michael Flynn's been a staunch Democrat. Yep. And so has his brother, who now has one of the largest commands in the United States Army. They are both faithful, true Democrats. So all of a sudden, because they say something, Booba starts jumping up and down like a trained seal. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what, I just love your analogies. <laughs> oh, man. Can't you hear yeah. You can, you can well, hear them now. Going, <laughs> balance the ball yeah, on your nose. <laughs> they, when they do that, they're, what they're saying, they're saying, that's, that's the USA chant. Mm-hmm. USA. U, okay. And they don't even know what that is. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, from a, you know, my, Michael's analogy is beautiful. You know, I, I just keep saying that this is all about perception management in order to manufacture consent, and 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 the the, the public that is following these 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 conservative uh, talking head media narratives are going to continue. I, I you know that's a beautiful question. How much, at what degree, what has to be done in order for you to reassess? Uh, uh, 
what you're doing. Does it? Do you literally have to be taken to the point of actual death? Uh, where does a does a boot on, stamping on your neck? Does a FEMA camp? Does a, what 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 is it that would have to take somebody to the point where they would reconsider? <laughs> their, yeah. their, in today's uh, world, in today's world, DW, the people sitting in the in the uh, concentration camps, even if they were sitting in death camps, if somebody slipped them a note and told them that Trump and the and the uh, army were coming to rescue them in a couple of months, they'd sit right there, sit very still, flat on their ass and wait for it. Mm-hmm. And that's oh, yeah. what's going on right now. Yeah. All the people hey, that we're organizing are just sitting back and waiting, trusting the plan. <laughs> you, uh, uh, do you get these automatic uh, email feeds from these uh, these alternative so-called, I'm, I've got my fingers up in the air here, these so-called <laughs> alternative news media sites yeah. about the, the daily truth or the hourly truth bombs about uh, uh, the election and, and Trump's going to do this and they're, the, you know, Sidney Powell's doing this and blah, blah, blah. Do you get those, those, those uh, every other hour sort of email porn notifications? Oh you yeah. Get those? Mm-hmm. You see those? I get them. I, I get them. I seldom look at them, but I get them. <laughs> and 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 every time they come in, the people that are predisposed to that that bias and that they that message, they'll click on it and they'll reinforce that feedback mechanism in their mind that yes, yes, there is this is going to happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and see, what was it? Uh, uh, five months ago, it was. It's only a month and a half out. It's only a month and a half out. And four months ago, it's oh, it's only two weeks out. Yeah. Okay. And and now and now when you get them, oh, it's it's coming next month. It's it's July. Okay. They, uh, how much longer does this have to just continue to go on? I I just. Uh... Hey guys, there are <clears throat> pictures. There are pictures available. Right now. Tickets, pictures of tickets that have been printed up for $1,200 each if you want to purchase one of the tickets. And the title is The Second Inauguration of Donald Trump as President of the United States on August the 15th, 2021, in front of the Capitol steps. Special musical guest stars will include Ted Nugent and Kid Rock. What? No Lee Greenwood? <laughs> Well, I thought I thought for sure Cho, uh, Toby Keith would be there. Oh man, that's well, wild. They, they would have had Charlie Daniels, but uh, uh, I guess it's too late for that. Yeah, too late, yeah, for, too Charlie. late for Charlie. Yeah. Charlie knows the truth yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, man. Oops. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I, I just have to go back to what Yuri Bezmenov predicted back in 1984. He predicted what we're actually living through, what we're actually talking about right here. He he absolutely spelled it out to the letter with the proper punctuation. Mm-hmm. And you can tell people, you can show people, and and you can I mean and not even put a spin on it anymore. And they'll go ahead and fill in the blanks, uh, reverse the truth. If the if the new world order or if Tucker Carlson or it's too late for Rush now, 
but if they actually came out and told you the truth, yeah, we've been doing this all along, people wouldn't believe them. Hey, guys, <laughs> let, let, me, uh, let me throw something out there. If this country, if the networks in this country, the news media, the newspapers, if they were really interested in the truth, and I'm going to pat Jim on the back here. If they were really interested in the truth, Jim would be on the evening news, not Tucker Carlson. Well, <laughs> that's a scary <Yeah>. thought. <laughs> well, stop and think about it. it. It's where do you, where can you go from the truth? Go for the truth. You know, you can't get it on national TV. You can't get it from politicians. You can't get it from. So you have to go to alternative sources to get the truth. That in itself should wake somebody up. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Huh? I have a, I have an idea about that, uh, Michael. Which is, if you're trying to qualify what is the truth, look at the paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if somebody's <laughs> making, if somebody's making. Uh, high six figures or into seven figures, you're not hearing the truth. You can't, because the truth isn't the, the truth. The truth doesn't have profit associated with it. Right. Anywhere you see somebody profiting from their narrative, it's not the truth. It can't. Well, that's a great point, Daryl. Mm -hmm. Because in what world was Rush Limbaugh worth a million dollars a week? His last contract, yeah. yeah. His last contract was for over fifty million dollars a year. Yeah, now, in what world was his bullshit? Pardon my, I'm sorry. In what world <laughs> was his crap worth a million dollars? It wasn't worth a million dollars to the people. It had to be worth a million dollars to somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The programmers. It, it's it, he was worth he was worth that much because he had the market share on controlled opposition perception management. He was the king from yeah. from the very beginning. He was the king of perception management because he was he was the he was the star of Operation Rat Poison. <laughs> yeah, he he had the he most was, ears of the lemmings. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, stop and think, guys. He had this. He number one is he had uh, what's his name who screened his calls, Boom. and he said, "You did not get on his program if you were going to ask a question about the truth." Because how many times when I first listened to him would I hear someone ask a question that had to do with the truth and get cut off? Mm -hmm. And then he came yeah. out with when people started uh, talking. He said that the Council on Foreign Relations. Way back in the 90s, he said that didn't exist, and that was a blatant lie. Yep. He said there was no such thing as the Council of Foreign Relations. I he said that. none of these organizations really exist. They're all conspiracy theories. And then he came up with a special phrase. He said they belong to the Kooks Society, the keeper of odd knowledge. <laughs> so among the yeah. con that's among when I stopped the listening to him. Call themselves conservatives. He put down the people who were trying to say the truth by calling them kooks. Yep. Well, yeah, so how does a guy like him get that kind of platform? He's subsidized and facilitated 
by somebody with uh, not only technical but financial resources way beyond what he could bring to bear on his own person. So uh, when you when you look into that, you find out that he's originally sponsored uh, by a uh, uh, I know it's hard to believe, but uh, uh, Zionism. <laughs> well, uh, Daryl, let's let's go back he, to his early career, though. Let's let's go back to the foundation. He created a foundation of listener support out in uh, Southern California or out in California, Sacramento area. He created a listenership, but he had this unique ability to bring people in. So they already saw someone with the potential. It's like seeing a, a great baseball player at the college level, and you go, oh, we need to sign him. So they co-opted him. He was, if you will remember, when he first came out, he was just absolutely excoriating Bill Clinton Yep. and the Clinton administration. He was turning them nine ways from Sunday and so the establishment said, okay, here's something we can use. So who signed him to his first multi-million dollar contract? Got me. Now, do you know? Okay. Uh, I, can't quote, I can't quote the actual name off the top of my head. Okay, the company that but signed I him to... The company that signed him to his first multi-million dollar contract was the Bain Corporation, which was owned by yeah. Willard Mitt Romney. <laughs> yes. that's, that's, that's what it was. Now, that, that's a Zionist organization. <laughs> well, absolutely. Uh, uh, well, when, when Rush Limbaugh when Rush Limbaugh is brought up on uh, charges of um, uh, there's there was some sexual uh, indications there also, but it was associated with uh, drug abuse. And and what is what is one of the important things that comes out in his uh, depositions or or testimony? Uh, I'm an entertainer. That's all I am. I just do right. entertainment. Oh yeah, just and, a harmless little fuzzball. Uh, his listening audience, uh, I think a, a, a vast majority of them probably even heard that. And this this doesn't I come did. from somebody projecting it onto him. This comes from his own his, his own uh, statements. I'm just an entertainer. Uh, where else do we hear that uh, in a lawsuit? Alex Jones. I just an entertainer. I just do entertainment. They don't. They. Uh, by their own lips, they're entertainers, but yet <clears throat> the people take it as what? Actionable intelligence. It's analysis and actionable intelligence. And and that's and the action that you're supposed to take is only what they prescribe, and it's always ineffective. It usually the action they want you to take usually involves you sitting on your butt and listening to them again the next day. So this this formula of the of the rat poison narrative, the um, the uh, there's, there's just, it's been refined. And it was, so Rush Limbaugh sets the pattern. Who who comes in next? So here's some more of them. Uh, Glenn Beck. Yeah, he's he he follows along in that mold. 
who else comes along? Sean Hannity, he follows along in that mold. Who else does that? Bill O'Reilly. Uh, and now we have the, the bow tie boy, who I remember from when he used to be on, on uh, public TV with his mommy, little Lord Fauntleroy Tucker Carlson. Okay. So, yeah, it, it's a it's a formula, and um, but I've just made a lot of people mad, Jim. Mike probably because well, I'm, I sure I'm attacking oh, yeah. their, their demigods. I'm attacking your demigods, and, <laughs> but you don't really have any response. If you're in this business and you're not attacking these people, you know you might as well you might as well not be talking. But. Hey, our good friend out there in Nevada brought up a very valid point, especially with my uh, subject on uh, the people just absolutely loving their Constitution. Robert says, a topic you may want to touch on, Missouri legislature passed a law saying no federal gun laws will be allowed and will be followed in that state. The Department of Justice is pushing back with, ding, 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 the Supremacy Clause, Article 6, Paragraph two. So, <laughs> and enforce see, it. <laughs> this, is, this, this is what just absolutely amazes me, Jim, and I told you. Sometimes I wake up with these thoughts in my head, and it's like I've got to get them out and put them on paper. If I don't, it's going to cause me a very bad day. I don't know how you sleep sometimes. Well, I don't. Throw those things uh, running through your head, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> oh, Mike. That would yeah, be rough. Jim, uh, Robert... Robert brings up a brilliant point. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Mr. Robert. Um, so this this case, uh, this, is, this a, is this a real case? Is this a real decision or is this a contrivance, this gun law that was out in, in Nevada? Uh, no, or, or no, even Missouri. California? Missouri. Uh, is it, uh, I'm sorry, Missouri. Is this a test? Is, is this a real contest? Excuse me. Is is this legislation or this uh, judicial decision a real contest, or is it just a test? Well, mm -hmm. uh, the, either way, it's going to uh, gain the same point. The people in Missouri or wherever, pick a state, in this case it happens to be Missouri, they get to their legislatures, and this has been before several legislatures this last mm -hmm. time. Okay, let's pass a law, a state law, which says that we will not go by the federal gun laws. Now, you've got the one of the great uh, charlatans of all time, uh, good old uh, Sheriff Mack, who is a fraud, uh, number one, who is saying yeah. that, yeah, oh, okay, uh, the National Sheriff's Association, we're not going to enforce these laws. We're not going to do it. Send me money, please. Uh, so that is their plea, but here is a great case for the federal government to use this to say, okay, come up with all of that stuff you want to, we are in control. You can talk all you want to. You have no control over this situation. So here's what, look at all, you've got your trained seals out there going to start with. So then now they'll get all excited about Missouri saying this, but then they're going to get kicked right in the teeth with, uh-uh, no, you can't. And that takes me back to one of the situations that I was thinking of was when uh, back in the Constitutional Convention. Now, most people don't have a clue what happened there. But anyway, James Wilson, uh, George Mason says, OK, let's 
make sure we put a Bill of Rights in here. James Wilson says, oh, hell no. You don't need a Bill of Rights. That's both superfluous and absurd. You don't need a Bill of Rights. Why would we want a Bill of Rights in this government? And they didn't want one. But then uh, Wilson, to try to justify his position, he says to George Mason, he says, look, the reason we don't have a Bill of Rights is because the people have so many rights, it's unreasonable to expect us to list them all. We can't do that. We can't list all of these rights. And But anyway, you have your state constitutions, people. That's what Jim Wilson, James Wilson said to uh, George Mason. You've got your state constitutions. That's all you need. You've got a Bill of Rights in your state constitutions. All of you have them. Well, Mason was smart, wasn't your average cookie. So Mason says, wait just a minute. You have Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1, your unlimited taxation clause. You have Article 1, Section 8, Clause 18, your necessary and proper clause. And you have Article 6, Clause 2, or Paragraph 2, that says that all of your laws are supreme. He said, we in the states have nothing. Because if we try to exercise our Bill of Rights in our states, your Supreme Court and your Supreme Laws will say, no, you don't have those rights. And now we are looking straight down the barrel of that exact statement that was made in 1787. We're looking right down the barrel of it with this case that Robert brought up. Thank you, Robert. Yeah. Good old and, Robert. And when that court, when that case is decided in the Supreme, the Superior Court, what does that establish? A precedent. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Case law. It establishes a precedent. And, and uh, you know, just, just call me, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, contrary, but in my thinking, but. What would a would a would a federal judicial system or operatives inside that federal uh, judicial system contrive a state case so they could get the end that they wanted, get the result that they wanted? Absolutely. A, a, mm-hmm. a, a, a setup. Would they would they do something like that? Would you like a false God? flag kind of thing? Would they do something like that with? Would they do something like that with? Uh, uh, Plessy versus Ferguson. Would they do something like that with the slaughterhouse <laughs> cases? Would they do something like that with uh, Brown versus the Board of Education? Gee, I don't know. <laughs> hey, is a bear is a bear a Catholic or does the Pope crap in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's yes on both of those, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that, now I want to. I want, I want, uh, I want our friend to make a meme on that. Yeah, that'd make a good meme. That's a good meme right there. So, oh, that's a good I, one. I want to see that picture. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, uh, guys, help me understand something. And this is what woke me up this morning. There is uncounted evidence. I mean, you can look at so many different angles. Is that everything the Federalists put in their Federalist papers? about what this government would do ends up being a lie, a gross lie. You know, Hamilton says, oh, well, the uh, judicial branch will be the uh, very weakest branch of government people. It's not going to bother you at all. Your state governments will control the judiciary system. 
Well, now, was that a lie? Yeah. Just with the case that Robert just mentioned, was that a lie? No, that's not a lie. That's the, it's exactly a lie. Okay, we've got all of the Federalists and all their damn lies. We've got the Anti-Federalists who just ripped them apart and told the truth. And they predicted exactly where we were going with this mess. But today, the great majority of Americans, and two or three times this week, I tried to get this point across to people both on social media and face-to-face, and they're going, well, 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 so what? So what if, if, if the Federalists lied? The government they created is wonderful. Well, some please explain, because I'm a yeah. problem understanding that one. I, I have a. Go ahead, Daryl. Go ahead, Daryl. I'm sorry you were breaking up a little bit. I, I might have interrupted you there. I apologize. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been I've been considering this uh, to some well quite a bit, and uh, I've identified this uh, certain personality or mentality type that you're describing. These are the uh, uh, apologists. <clears throat> yeah. That's all it is. They're they're apologizing. Mm-hmm. They they make apologies for the the long gone and dead. And uh, of course, of course, this this allows them a a uh, the latitude in the room where they don't have to change uh, their behavior or their belief system. Okay, they they don't have to make a course correction. And. Uh, they they cannot adapt to real information and real evidence, and well, uh, they're politically. I don't know. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm just. I sound like I'm just throwing out throwing out rocks here, but they're they're politically illiterate, and uh, they need to when, when they need to actually politically repent, they retain their political illiteracy, and uh, so. Well, uh, guys, if I may, I wrote an article uh, prior to the show today, and I'm going to publish it on Rebel Madman after the show. I'd like to run a little bit of it by you for your thoughts, if I may, please. Sure. And the title of my article is An Enigma Wrapped in a Conundrum. <laughs> and so it, uh, it says, it has, uh, my article starts, it has been a strange week indeed. One must continue to marvel at those who are completely devoid of the ability to reason a subject deductively. I can only attribute such to the paradigm described by Carl Sagan in his definition of a bamboozle. And that definition is one of the saddest lessons of history is this. If we've been bamboozled long enough, we tend to reject any evidence of that bamboozle. We're no longer interested in finding out the truth. The bamboozle has captured us. It is simply too painful to acknowledge, even to ourselves, that we've been so credulous. Nothing quite fits this paradigm quite as tragically as does this country, country's people and their overwhelming trust and belief in our Constitution and Bill of Rights. During the founding era, there were two distinctly different philosophical camps as to what kind of government would be produced by the aforementioned items of government. Those known as Federalists and their sycophants predicted a wonderful empire wherein all of the travails of life would be dealt with and the people would become joyously happy. Conversely, those labeled as Anti-Federalists predicted a completely different outcome. At this point, the question must be, look around you, boobus. 
who was right. To make this subject a bit easier to understand for the boobus population, I then I cite this. I said, if there was a person on your favorite TV network whose job it was to predict the weather and they told you tomorrow would be sunny with a high of 85 and no rain, yet a second weather source on another channel said it would be stormy with a chance of a tornado and in fact there was a series of tornadoes which destroyed your home and the homes of others in your community, why would you still consider the first source reputable and reliable? What if the same paradigm continued to occur? What if a couple of weeks later the first source predicted a partly cloudy day with a high temperature in the mid-50s, yet the next day you were forced to shovel 18 inches of partly cloudy snow out of your driveway, which had been the accurate prediction of the second source? Would you return to the first source again and again, or depend on the source which had been completely accurate on all occasions? That, my friend, is the exact saga of the Federalist and the Anti-Federalist. The government predicted by the Federalist does not exist while the calamity predicted by the anti-federalist is the catastrophe you are immersed in today. That's the first part of my article. Thoughts, guys? Hit the nail on the head. The, the, uh, the thought that came to my mind as you were reading that, Mike, was that for the same reason that we have so few Christians, real, real Christians, mm -hmm. observably real, is the same reason we have so few observable patriots is because in Christianity you have to repent and yeah. there's so few who are willing to really do that mm -hmm. truly truly do that and in the in the political patriot movement we have so few people that will truly repent from their addiction to the government and what, what would I mean by that well Let's say that all you conservative Christians, patriotic people, could actually have freedom of all the tyranny, all the tyranny that's been imposed upon you. But in that repentance, in that 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 uh, <clears throat> that outcome would be that you would have to actually educate your own children that you all the subsidies and benefits that you receive from that government that you think's tyrannical you would no longer receive none zero no social security no unemployment no medical no nothing now do you really want to repent or do you just want the world to go back the way it was 20 years ago when you thought it was working for you, when you could be a conservative communist. See, you don't really want to repent, do you? And that's why that's why they can't take the actions, Mike, because they won't jeopardize. They, they want the world to change, but they want to keep what they got. And that's why you won't see any change. That's just my opinion. What do you yeah. think of that, Jim? Did, was I... I agree. And it's funny, <laughs> last well, night... Sir, um... Our uh, pastor, when he was preaching, he talked about uh, people, um, you know, they accept Jesus as their Savior, but not their Lord. And, you know, in order to accept him as Lord, you have to repent and you have to turn from what you're doing and seek him. And uh, just when you were talking, I said they want Jesus as their Savior, but they want the government as their Lord. They're trying to sit on the fence. Well, that's what, yeah. 
that's what that's what the socialist communist uh, uh, secular world is, and mm-hmm. their political agencies and their public policies is Christianity without Christ. Yeah, because they're their own gods. Well, and, that'll preach. <laughs> uh, so, I, I mean, it's harsh, but you. This is absolutely, in my observance, uh, is absolutely inseparable, Mike. That you can separate. Your your philosophy, your worldview, your belief system, uh, your religion, from uh, <clears throat> the uh, the political side and and your belief system, yeah. but yet they have they've been able to do it. Yeah. And people like Rush Limbaugh and all these other people we were talking about earlier allow them the narrative that allows them to live in a complete state of holding two opposing views uh, passionately. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. well, that's and called that's insanity, my friend. <laughs> I know, and that isn't that what we're observing, Mike. This is this is why you get paid fifty million dollars a year when you can when you can construct those narratives to do that. That's that's worth it to them. It's well absolutely let me let me run a paragraph by you, gentlemen, again, another paragraph here, and I really would appreciate your assessment. And here's my paragraph. The Constitution, designed and written by the Federalists who controlled the government they created for the first 12 years, was a form of government designed by the wealthy and well-born to tax the working people of the country in order to pay for their political and business schemes. They, the Federalists, in effect, wrote themselves an insurance policy to cover any screw-ups they might make which could affect their financial futures. The Anti-Federalists saw this grand scheme for exactly what it was and did everything within their power to block such a government from being created by trying to warn the people what that government would produce. The Federalists created a judicial branch to protect themselves from accountability regarding their evil programs. The courts were never designed to protect the people from the many incursions into their lives by this criminal enterprise. That's the paragraph. Your thoughts and that last sentence, Jim, covers that uh, Houston situation with the doctors, doesn't it? Oh, I mean, yeah, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it puts us in a position where we're, and, you know, the thing is, is, you know, the, the anti-federalists told us what was going to happen, but, of course, everybody is blinded by the, um, prospect, prospect of a, a new government. They were so sick of Britain that they were willing to accept just about anything, and they weren't going to listen to a group of people that were saying, well, this might happen in the future. You know, these guys are telling us we're going to have this good stuff now, and that's what we want. We want it right now. And it was their version of the microwave mentality, you know, 240 years ago. Um, and But look what we got. They should have gone with the oven instead of the microwave. <laughs> well, you know, the thing of it is that's really troubled me, Jim, and I can't understand it, is the evidence is there. I mean, it's all you got to do is look at this, and this is what I tried to include, and I said the Federalists unanimously voted down the proposed addition of a Bill of Rights to their Constitution, calling such both superfluous and absurd, which I mentioned before. What more do you need to know about the Federalists? The Anti-Federalists did yeoman work in trying to introduce the amendments necessary to protect the rights and rightful liberty of the people, but the completely Federalist-dominated first U.S. Congress destroyed that attempt in the bud. 
No one addressed that better than did the two anti-federalist senators from Virginia, William Grayson and Richard Henry Lee. Please, please, Bubas, prove their predictions to be false. You can't. And here, here is something people do not understand. You can talk to people about this all day. They don't understand it. They don't want to hear it, but they have their opinion, which is better than yours. But here are these two senators from Virginia, William Grayson and Richard Henry Lee, were the only two anti-federalists in the U.S. Senate. The anti-federalists were outnumbered 20 to 2. Now, what did they say about what happened? Now, here's, the, here's something that's tough, is because for several years, the United States Senate met in secret. How many people knew that? Oh. There were no records made of their meetings, nothing. So, and when I found that out in the National Archives, I thought to myself, if I want to know what happened, I'm going to have some, got, got to find some letters from these senators mm -hmm. about what was happening because it's not in the record. So I went to a one in particular was William Grayson, Senator William Grayson, to none other than Patrick Henry on September the 29th of 1789. And he said, with respect to amendments, which was the Bill of Rights. Matters have turned out exactly as I apprehended from the extraordinary doctrine of playing the after game. The lower house sent up amendments which held out a safeguard to personal liberty in a great many instances, but this disgusted the Senate. And though we made every exertion to save them, they are so mutilated and gutted that in fact they are good for nothing. And I believe, as many others do, that they will do more harm than benefit. The Virginia amendments were all brought into view and regularly rejected. Perhaps they may think differently on the subject the next session, uh, but uh, that never happened either. So here is words from a senator to Patrick Henry telling him that the Bill of Rights is going to do more harm than good. Okay, people in Missouri, you're trying to exercise your Second Amendment. What is the DOJ telling you? No, we are supreme. So did Grayson tell the truth about the Bill of Rights? Or does the Tenth Amendment Center and constitutional attorneys and David Barton and all these other clowns, are they telling you the truth? Which one is it? Sorry, guys, I get a little passionate about this. It bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't blame you. You know, the one response that ought to come from Missouri is saying, look, you know, okay, you're supreme, but the Second Amendment is supreme over the laws that Congress has passed, and it is pretty flat out. You know, everything Congress has done is unconstitutional, and we're not going to follow it. So basically, well, they're, that that's what these bills are designed to do, is basically to restate what's already been written is, you know, they've restating the Second Amendment and putting it into law form. But again, like you said, it's causing more harm than good because look what, you know, it's just going to be a battle between the states and the feds and they're going to come in and who knows what they're going to try and do. Yeah. We need we a sugar daddy like I Soros to, to get some new... Gentlemen. We could make this a redneck point. <laughs> and here would be the red, redneck point from my point of view. 
hey, boys, look at this, because if your Bill of Rights and your Constitution works, we wouldn't have one damn gun control law on the books. Now, your, your, your stuff. Exactly. I, uh, I'm going to go as far as to say I don't believe it's a real contest. I think it's a Don King. I think it's a Don King setup to take a fall, and uh, that's that's about as plain as I can make it. Well, it has to the, take the fall. The yeah, it'll be a case that'll end up in the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court will rule against the state, and everybody will bow down and genuflect. I guess we can't so, do that. Uh, well, why why does everybody continue to go along with what they know doesn't? Because they <laughs> don't have any. Uh, they can't conceive of any other viable option. Yeah, they're programmed. They can't can't. Well, they they don't have any other recourse. They don't see any other recourse. Okay, you you have to work within the system to change the system. Now, when it, tell me when that's ever worked. Well, Daryl, I've got okay. a, uh, I, I've, I've addressed that with people before. I've, I've brought this up to folks in Arkansas, and they said, "Okay, well, you're telling me this system don't work. Well, what will work?" And I said, "Well, you know, what you're asking me is like you came in to me. I'm a doctor, and you asked me to check you out, and I tell you, okay, well, I'm sorry, but you have cancer." And your reply would be, well, well, don't you have some other good disease I could take, like heart disease or maybe maybe leukemia or something? Don't you have something else? I said, that's, that's I'm taking your program to exactly what you're saying. Yeah, that's, that's a good analogy. Give me something else oppressive. I don't want, if this one's not good, give me something else that tells me what I can do and what I can't do. Not one time do they ever mention that the pathway to this whole thing may be freedom. I don't want I don't want to quit being a slave. I just want a new master. Yeah. Well, uh, Michael, Jim, I mean, uh, I, I keep hammering on what I'm about to say, and I have been for some time once I became what I believe I had a working understanding of it. And I, it, <clears throat> okay, and I'll, so I'll, I'll say what it is. Uh, this, this abstract concept of rights this thing called rights so it, that they all it easily passes through their lips past their <laughs> out of their out of their brain past their lips and they they say these things called abstract things called called rights but there's 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 a correlative to that there's something associated with this when you when you say the right you're also saying something else and this other thing is called duty you have a duty, and nobody wants to line up. Nobody wants to exercise mm -hmm. their duty. Right. And duties can only be done individually, and so they they don't actually uh, don't they they want their right, but they don't want to exercise their duty. Now the when you when you take that a little bit farther, what you realize is that rights without duties. Uh, to the right that you're claiming to, okay, so you're claiming that right, and, but if you don't exercise that duty, what you're actually uh, turning that right into is a privilege and immunity. Yep. <laughs> okay. So you, they, they, don't have, they don't have any rights. They have privileges and immunities because they, they won't do their duty. 
and uh, and I, I'm talking about the guys like uh, Sheriff Mack and, and these these sort of people. Uh, what uh, they they never they never talk about what your duties ought to be. Well, your your duty is to uh, I'll I'll go to this one. Uh, you shouldn't you shouldn't be sending your children to public school system. Yep. Okay. You have a duty. You claim your right that those are your children, but yet you abdicate that right and defer it to the state. Everybody who sends sends their children to state-sponsored schools with who has a working understanding perception of tyranny, and you continue to do it, you've abdicated your duty, and you've accepted a communist doctrine. This is the tenth plank of the Communist Manifesto. All right? And, mm-hmm. and so you're, you're facilitating, aiding and abetting, pervading, providing aid and comfort to a, a, a system that's antithetical to the one that you're claiming. I, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> it just... Are we are we too far gone, Mike, Jim? What well, I mean, what you're describing there, and that's the situation where now we're hearing all these parents that are going to the school boards and screaming up and down about the COVID restrictions, the face mask, the the critical race theory, and all this other junk. They're bitching about it, but what they should be saying is, "You people are un, are disgusting deal and you're putting in a bad practice and i'm taking my kids out of this school because i don't want them exposed to this stuff you shouldn't be asking them to change something you know they're not going to change you should make the change saying i'm taking my kids out of this godforsaken thing and going to give them the right education at home and you know but they still want to be part of the the system they don't want to do their duty and educate the children themselves they want to have the house and the two cars and everything that requires both people be working so they can't afford to do the have mom stay home or dad stay home and educate the children no that doesn't fit into our our long-term program here <laughs> they've got to you know they've got to have the government do it and you know that's a big mistake the second you get involved in something like that you're you're dooming it uh, you're not going to get good results well, thanks, Jim. Also, uh, kind of just for the fun of it, I want to kind of, since this is a technically a health show too, want to kind of throw in the deal about this this case in 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 Texas, where the district court judge ruled against the employees. Is this one of those ploys to ultimately, you know, he's going to file an appeal, and they're going to take it all the way to the Supreme Court, supposedly? Is this just not an attempt to get another Supreme Court ruling, a new version of Jacobson versus Massachusetts from 1905, where the new court will say, yeah, the employer can force you to take this stuff, even if it's experimental and you don't have a say, you just got to quit and go somewhere else. Or, and at the same time, if, if by the same stretch, if the employers can mandate it, then of course the government can too. And then we're going to be a position where the, you know, once again, the Supreme Court's ruled that you're stuck and you have to take it. What do you think about that? Is that, you know, where we're heading here? I think Mike fell asleep. (laughs) 
Where's my? Didn't hear me snoring, did you? <laughs> I was listening. <laughs> I have a mute button to cover my snoring. <laughs> so, what do you think? Well, I I, uh, I I think people are being informed as to their real status. You know, this is what I think. Yeah, slaves. They're they're coming. They're coming to where uh, everything that Mike's been trying to educate people to is coming to fruition. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the uh, only recourse that the people can actually think of now is maybe they can do something under their 14th Amendment civil rights inside that system just paint them and right that, back into a that's the only corner. thing that they can come to terms with okay uh, i think i think people uh are are learning the hard lessons of their choices and i predict that that standing will hold uh that 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 ruling will hold mm -hmm. so man michael I know you got something to say here, man. Oh, yeah. Me? We've never yeah. caught you speechless. Surely you jest. <laughs> It'd be a first. Come on. <laughs> I have to mark this day on the calendar. <laughs> Mike Gaddy, no, speechless. Guys, you know, I, I can keep saying the same thing over and over again. And I, I made this point, and tomorrow, as a matter of fact, my program is going to be, is there a way out of this mess? <laughs> and uh, here is the, I've tried to make this with, with memes and with other things, and that is, is that the only way, and, and this, one's really, this one is really going to rock some boats, and you guys know how much that bothers me. But the point is, is that we under this criminally oppressive system, the only exit is to become criminals. Yep. Because that's what Samuel Adams decided to do. That's what Patrick Henry decided to do. That's what the Sons of Liberty decided to do. That's what John Hancock decided to do. This country was founded by domestic terrorist people. Good point. You can deny it all you want to. You can go, oh, look how wonderful Alexander Hamilton was. Well, you know, I just recently found out he was black. But uh, <laughs> hey, uh, here's, here's the point, is that these people did not sit back on their butts that founded this country. They did not sit back on their butts and say, well, oh, my gosh, uh, uh, you know, Q told me that uh, if I will just sit here and do nothing, that he's going to take care of King George. It, people, mm -hmm. you, it's not going to happen. That's why, in my somewhat educated opinion of history, and I look back at what, here's, the, here's a great show, guys. What is the difference in the people of today as compared with Samuel Adams, Patrick Henry, and let's say Thomas Jefferson. What's the difference? 
And the difference, in my opinion, is education. Because if you go back and read what Patrick Henry had to say, what Thomas Jefferson had to say in his notes on the state of Virginia, and if you look at what uh, Sentinel had to say, the problem is today is that most Americans with a college degree do not know what they said. And number two, they do not know history. Right. The history they know is perverted. America was created out of a group of people who knew history, true history. They hadn't gone through the Marxist uh, system. They knew true history. There are very, very few people today who know true history. And if you try to tell people what's true history, they tell you you're a conspiracy nut. Yep. Yeah. So America is, well, is it's the this is the last of this great experiment in liberty, as it was once called. We, we're done because Americans believe that they have to be law abiding citizens. You cannot be a law abiding citizen in a criminal government, because if you are, you are following criminal laws. You are adhering to criminal laws. Amen. Well, I mean, a perfect example of that is uh, <clears throat> con con condoning and conceding to uh, infanticide, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the murdering of babies. Yep. Uh, uh, you can you can put whatever euphemistic name you want on it, but uh, you're compliant, complacent, or complicit in the murdering of babies, and uh, you can't hide behind that it's law. So my experience has been that most people quit learning if they ever did when they get a certificate that tells them that they've learned something. Now let's move on to something more fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so, you know, Mike, when, when, uh, the, uh, when the, the government, whether it be a local, state, or federal, legislates you to be a criminal, my question is to everybody listening, will you be a good one? <laughs> okay. And, and, and uh, that, that time has come. It, we're actually way past that. And what I see is that most people uh, who don't understand the very first thing about law, that's why it's never really spoken of much, uh, they don't want to talk about law because they don't want to have to come to con to the point where they confront somebody that it's not a law or change their behavior. They would rather comply and complain than confront it and have a conflict. Mm -hmm. And one of the one of the things that when you were reading that, Mike, and you asked the question, what was different about these men and these? Uh, uh, what passes for a man today <laughs> is those men were actually uh, willing and did confront and to today they won't do it mm -hmm. they won't they won't do it they won't they will not have a confrontation and that's that's a a, a big difference in the character of those men and uh, the men of today. And so uh, the, we, uh, generationally here, we're spending 
living on the subsidies of the courage and sacrifices of men that came before, and that account is empty. Yeah, and we're dropping the ball. Uh, you know, it's the old... Uh, there's, there's been... Yeah, that uh, account is empty. Have you heard, uh, have you heard this uh, the cycle? There's, you're, Michael, you brought up uh, this question about men and the differences. Have you... I'm pretty sure you probably have heard of this cycle. It goes something like this. I'm trying to remember it off the top of my head. Uh, bad times produce strong men. You only produce really strong men in bad, bad times. Mm-hmm. Strong men produce good times. Good times produce weak men. Weak men produce bad times. Have you heard of this before, Jim, Mike? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Well, we're in a period of bad times. And and during the, uh, in the run-up to the revolution, that period, uh, there was a period of bad times. And the character of men uh, revealed itself. Uh, uh, in that time and uh, for a period it produced uh, some good times or better well where are we at now and so the the challenge remains the question as of yet is unanswered will these bad times produce strong men that's that's my question Mm -hmm. you know the thing is you know People say, what are you willing to do to support your rights? And I think more importantly, what are you not willing to do to support your rights? Because that's the level of tyranny you're going to end up with. If you're not willing to, you know, go to jail or be arrested or get in a firefight, guess what? That's what it's going to come to. You're going to be faced with having to do that or lose. And you're right, in this day and age... People don't want to get out of their comfort zone. They want to have all the rights and freedoms that our forefathers fought and died for, but they're not willing to, you know, do the same thing for future generations. And that's what, you know, Reagan, I think it was, said that, uh, you know, basically uh, liberty can be lost in a single generation. And we're seeing that. You know, look what's happened. You have the guys that you know, allegedly, you know, we know better, but allegedly went to foreign lands uh, within the last, you know, 20, 40 years to fight for democracy and come home and find out that, you know, people, because of a little invisible bug that doesn't really exist, people are willing to give up all those rights that the guys in uniform went and fought and died for. And it's like, what are, what's going on here? Without questioning at all. Oh, we got to put a face diaper on? Oh, okay, for two weeks to spread, you know, flatten the curve that turned into a year and a half. And some people are so programmed now they won't stop even though they don't have to do it. Never did have to do it. But Jim, I, I, have, a, I have a question for you. It's, it's almost like a Michael Gaddy question. Uh, <laughs> when, when you use that... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
You use the uh, expression to to fight for democracy. Do you, do you have any? Uh, you didn't see my tongue in my cheek. Recall <laughs> uh, when that was first used, that term, that description. We must make uh, the world safe for democracy. Safe for democracy. You remember who did that? Uh, wasn't that FDR? Uh, it was just, uh, <clears throat> to my to my recollection, that's Woodrow Wilson. Okay, it might have been. In. Uh, his his justification for World War One, right? Uh, to make the world safe for democracy. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm saying on you is that world this started not in the last thirty forty years. This goes all the way back 100. to uh, uh, the intent and purpose of World War One and World War Two. So when I ask the question, who won World War One? The bankers. It, it, it wasn't the. <laughs> It wasn't the Allies. Yeah. Okay. All right. It was the Babylonian, Babylonian Jewish Talmudic money system, the merchant bankers. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, okay, so uh, who, who were the people prior to World War One? the population? Well, they were separate. They, they were isolationists. They didn't want to do it. Right. Okay. Uh, as so who were the losers in World War One? <laughs> Those people. <laughs> wasn't wasn't Germany? Wasn't yeah. Germany? Germany didn't lose. Okay. Yeah. Well, who were the losers? Well, it was it was the hundred million. It was the hundred million Christians. Mm-hmm. Hundred million Christians, white men, and and uh, uh, the church and Christianity lost World War One. And I would say that so they I did exactly see. that. They yeah. made the world safe for democracy, but we didn't realize what democracy was. That was a big problem. You know, it's it's socialism. And we made the world safe for socialism, and that's what we're reaping now. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. well, guys, uh, yeah. democracy could be better defined as two bankers and a and a common citizen deciding what's for dinner <laughs> oh man or two wolves and a sheep <laughs> oh man yeah i, well, I kind i kind of wanted to paraphrase that. two bankers and a common citizen deciding whose money who owns the money in that guy's account <laughs> there you go if you have you have to stop and consider if the government or the world government now wants you to be in a democracy, is that with your best intent? Is that no. with, is that have your best intentions at heart if the governments are supporting democracy? Okay. Yep. <sighs> yeah. Can can you be a conservative? Can you be literally perform and behave and have the conviction and principles of freedom, liberty, courage and uh and the principles of christianity and participate in democracy there's the question no i don't think you can no it's antithetical boy too bad robert's not here this will be a great foursome why does why does the government why does the government want you to uh, to embrace democracy because they know that they can get 75 to 80 percent of the people to sell out their principles in a democracy. Yeah. That's why. And they get all your money in the process. 
Well, Jim, you mentioned uh, a while ago uh, a point, and it made me think, and I went back to check my archives, and something over a quarter of a century ago, I wrote a an article, and that, uh, that article was basically, where is the line you will not cross? Yep, exactly. And if you don't have one, if you haven't thought ahead, this was in the first paragraph of that article. If you haven't thought ahead, if you haven't made a decision in your own mind, here is one thing. If the government ever says this, I, that's it. I will no longer comply. Well, if you haven't made that decision in your own mind, you don't have one. Yeah, exactly. It means if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Like the old song goes. Yeah, good old Aaron Tippin. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's sad. And most people, unfortunately, have not made that decision. They haven't figured out that they've got to figure out what they're willing to do and what they won't do. And otherwise, they're just going to do whatever they're told. And we know how well that works. Right. Man. Well, it's it, it's become entirely too comfortable for uh, people to live in a democratic socialist government. So uh, one of the great benefits of that is that uh, I, I get to be responsible for other people's choices. Isn't that fun? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good or bad as they uh, may how, be. How, 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 many, how many people have ever considered that every every one of these benefits that you receive from any form of government comes at a liability to somebody else? Yeah. They've, yeah. <laughs> I, I guarantee you, you're not going to find anybody. You, you, the, the line at the door, door that says, I'm giving up all my benefits is very and that's in the Christian conservative community. It's a very short line. Oh yeah. So 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 really, what they're saying is that you really are, you conservative Republican Christian conservative patriots. You're in your heart. You really are. You really are a socialist. <laughs> by your action, by mm -hmm. your actions, you really are a socialist. Yeah. You just you just want to put on the dressing. Your mouth you says one thing, your actions say something totally different. You don't really want to be one. Yep. I go through this all oh. the time when I have all these Christians asking for prayer. I've got this and i got that. Ask for the doctors to have wisdom, you know, or for God to give them wisdom. I So first off, they're practicing an abomination, according to the Lord, witchcraft and sorcery, a.k.a. pharmakia. Why on earth would God ever bless that? And he tells us not to be a part of it in the Bible. But where does every 99.99% of all so-called Christians go when they have anything wrong? They go to the medical deity, the MD, who is practicing witchcraft and sorcery. <laughs> you know, that's, that's exactly what we're talking about here. They want all the good stuff, and they don't want to do the duties that they need to do. They need they don't want to stand up against that and maybe utilize the stuff that God says in the Bible is right for your body. No, no, we can't do that. That's too much. You know, we'd have to pay for that out of our pocket. 
<laughs> insurance will cover the medical deity, so we're going to him. <laughs> or we take a tax deduction on what we give to the church. So, in other words, the government's subsidizing the church, and you're not really doing your part. Hmm. Don't want to talk about that either. <laughs> and it just keeps on going. Well, well, the hypocrisy. I got is... a... I, <clears throat> Michael, Jim, I, I have a character question that maybe some of the people listening can uh, reflect back on about the true nature of their own character. So when you were, and if you were a man, or, or you, well, I guess even a woman, or you were you're, you were a younger man or woman or a, a boy or a girl at some point in your life, and uh, somebody in your class or your community was being harassed or beaten up or picked on, really bad, physically abused, did you intercede? Well, this is before were cell phones, so you couldn't you, you couldn't record it, right? Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, this is before cell phones, so you couldn't you record kind of, it, right? <laughs> were you the kind of were you the kind of young boy who learned from your grandfather or your father, or the man in your life that uh, uh, you're going to step into it? Mm -hmm. Did you ever get your teeth knocked out defending somebody else? Did you ever do that? I mean, that's just an open question because see, if you didn't have the character to do that. When you knew you were probably going to get your butt beat, then you're not you're not in for this. You're not in for it. Yep. Good so point. Pretending. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, now, now, now that we've alienated your whole audience, Joe, maybe I should leave. <laughs> well, at least we yeah, only I did it when there's like ten minutes left. They'll forget it by uh, Monday when we're back. <laughs> oh man. I do want to take a minute real quick before we run out of time, though, to mention that Mike's got a couple of websites, um, rebelmadman.com and embracingtheobvious.com, and uh, they're both linked on my site under, under the links page on yourdiyhealth.com. And, uh, Mike, uh, tell us, you've already told us a little about, about tomorrow's show, but tell us what, uh, what shows you got going on and uh, what you're going to be talking about. Well, tomorrow... Uh... I am on a program at uh, 12 noon Eastern on Revolution Radio Studio A, and I will have two guests tomorrow, uh, Cal Robbins, who is my normal uh, co-host on Fridays, and our good friend from out Salt Lake City Way, Dale Williams, has a group tomorrow, and we're discussing, and then Sunday afternoon at uh, 6 p.m., uh, I will be on with my good friend, Daryl Wayne. Perhaps some of you people have heard of him. Uh, and he will, we are on, and we started last week on the Committee of Style, and we were going to go through all of the changes that Gouverneur Morris made on the Committee of Style that were totally against what the uh, Committee of the Whole had done. So Gouverneur Morris perverted the entire Constitution or at least a great part of it. And we were going to go through all of those perversions last week, and we didn't even get through his perversions to the preamble. So we're going to jump back on that horse and see if we can ride for a while. Cool. Oh, by the way, uh, your talk with Ted Wyland, um, what I caught of it, I, I'm glad you, I appreciate you sending me the link to the replay. I've downloaded it. I'm going to be listening to it this afternoon when I'm cutting my grass. 
but I did uh, get his book. I downloaded the um, the one he has on the website, and I also have his uh, the the little hard copy that he sends out, the Bible Law versus the United States Constitution. Mine came the other day, along with um, looks like three. I'm assuming they're messages that he's preached. Uh, Is the Constitution Christian? The Second Amendment, a knife in a gunfight, <laughs> and rights, man's sacrilegious claim to divinity. Those sound really interesting, so I'm going to have to put those on my phone so I can listen to them when I'm doing things too. But um, very interesting, and I'm looking forward to catching all of what he had to say. But um, reading this stuff is going to be fun too. And I appreciate you having him on. Oh, I'm sorry, Jim, go ahead. Nope. <laughs> It's been been really interesting for me. Some of the people that I've uh, that have been listening to my programs and reading my articles for years, uh, especially one gentleman up in northeast Arkansas who uh, uh, sent me a message and he said, "Finally, finally, a man of God weighs in on this subject." And uh, talking about uh, Parson Wyland and uh, all of the. Uh, after you hear it, Jim, you'll understand, but almost all of the emails, phone calls, everything I've gotten on that uh, on that uh, program uh, refer to Parson Wyland. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I remember you referring to him as that during the show, the few times, a you know, little bit that I was able to listen to live. And uh, I've just got so much stuff. That's why I don't do my own show on Fridays. I've got so much stuff going on. I just don't have time to listen to things. So I was able to plug in a little bit and catch some of it just for a few minutes and what i heard was great so i'm looking forward to reading or hearing the rest of it but uh, i do appreciate that and um and boy i can tell you what <laughs> by the time sunday night rolls around the other day sunday evening i was like oh i gotta listen to mike's show and i looked at my watch and it was just turning eight o'clock <laughs> <laughs> i said man i missed it again <laughs> it's just there's always something uh, Sunday was a long, long day. I opened the church at 8 o'clock, and I closed it down about 4.30. <laughs> and uh, I get home, and I just sort of sit down and, whoop, <laughs> you know, you go into a com- comatose uh, situation. But uh, today's been fun. Man, I'll tell you what. I wish Robert, I know Robert would love to have been here for this one. And I'm sure Brad would have a well as well. It's a shame that uh, they couldn't make it. But uh, I had fun. And I guess that's all that counts. No, <laughs> well, it's always interesting, Jim. Always interesting. I really enjoy my Thursdays. Oh, me too. It really, uh, and I, I gotta keep thanking Robert for you know hooking us up. And I remember years ago, he said, "You need to get this guy on." I said, "Mike Gaddy, I've heard that name." <laughs> I said, "Okay, we'll give it a shot." And boy, I'll oh, tell you, you what, have, you might have seen my picture down at the post office. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speak of the devil, Robert's calling in. Uh, Hopefully I can get him added in here. Go ahead, Daryl, in the meantime. Well, I just, uh, <clears throat> thanks for letting me uh, join in the conversation today. It's a pleasure, as always. Hey, it's, you're always, uh, we always yeah. enjoy having you on. You just add so much to it. Your your thought processes and uh, just your deep wisdom just blow me away. Robert, what you got to say, buddy? Hello, Robert. I see your name here. It says you joined. 
You muted? He's not showing up on I don't see him. Yeah, he's showing up him. on mine. Huh. That's I weird. Have, I was having some problems too, Jim, when I was trying to call in. Yeah. Uh, hmm. He, uh, Let me see if I can try and add him. But it shows that he's here, but I'll try and add him anyway. It says I'm calling, so unavailable. <laughs> Probably because he's trying to call in again. Here we go. Let's see if it adds him this time. Man. Luckily, we have a few minutes. We can play around with this. Hopefully, get him on here. Hmm. It shows that he's there. Maybe you could, maybe you could try calling him back. That's what I was trying to do, but he was trying to call me at the same time. So, Robert, if you're listening, don't try calling. <laughs> I'm calling you. Gotta love Skype. Used to work really, really, really well. Then Bill Gates got his hands on it. And... Well, it probably works well for other folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. People not, that are just talking about uh, flowers in the sky and rainbows and uh, LGBTQ <laughs> sandwiches and whatnot. <laughs> Come on, Robert. So it looks like it's ringing. Wow. Come on, come on, come on. You know, you can, you can save a lot of time in your personal life when you don't worry about hiding. <laughs> you know, a lot of pe people go to a lot of effort to hide. I don't, I don't worry about it. Yeah, me either. <laughs> Here I am, you know. I, my, what you see is what you get. That's what you don't see that you got to watch out for, though. <laughs> hey, D.W., what's uh, going on with the Alabama hoedown? Oh, yeah. Wanted to ask that, too. Oh, um yeah uh well jim uh can you uh can you can you can you email me or send me uh we need to have a conversation because we'd like to have you uh do a presentation yeah sure speaking if uh we, we i'm trying to collect uh some uh dates that would work with a number of people so if you could in general, what are you planning, like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or a weekend, or what? What what basic days are you planning? Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. For the for the to help most people out, I think uh, a weekend, uh, probably a Saturday, a Saturday evening, or sometime during a Saturday. It's it's probably going to be a, a hoedown is going to take a whole day, so. Okay. <laughs> And there'll be music too, but uh, uh, I'll just uh, probably need to talk on the side about some of the uh, different dates that we had in mind. It'll be uh, probably later in the summer. So. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to because I got things. Uh, I handle all the sound and stuff at the church, and occasionally you know, we have some missionaries coming in. When they're there, I have to be there for sure. I've got backup guys that can handle the basic stuff. But um, if, you know, like I got somebody who wants to run videos or do a Skype thing or a, a, a Zoom deal, and I have to be there for that because I'm the only one who knows how to do all that stuff. <laughs> but um, I'll, uh, I'll see what I can. I'll, I'll send you an email or something. We'll, we'll hook up one way or another and figure out some uh, basic days that I have to double check and see what all I've got to look forward to this week or this summer, too. And it looks like we're not going to have any luck with Robert because um, we're down to the last 30 seconds anyway. But bummer. <laughs> Robert, <laughs> call in on Monday well, and tell me what you were going to say. 
my my parting shot, my shorting parting shot to people is, don't make long term decisions on short term indications. There you Think go. About that. Amen. Good point. As always, lots of wisdom in that. Robert, and I'm sorry Robert couldn't be here, but Mike and uh, Daryl, thanks for being here. And uh, we will be back on Monday live. Until then, everybody, take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live. Have a wonderful weekend. Happy Father's Day to all the guys out there. We'll see you on Monday. God bless. God bless.